Welcome to Skip the Queue, a podcast for people working in or working with visitor attractions. I'm your host, Kelly Molson. Each episode, I speak with industry experts from the attractions world. In today's episode, I speak with Alastair Barber, Marketing and Communications Manager at National Parks. We discuss how the parks have communicated with their audience during lockdown, how a focus on being outside will encourage new visitors, and the future of tourist attractions in the UK. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, and all the usual channels by searching Skip the Queue. Alastair, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It's lovely to have you here. It's a pleasure to be here. So we know each other already. So caveat, um, Rubber Cheese are working with National Parks at the moment on a really exciting project. Maybe we'll talk about that a bit later. So Alastair and I do know each other, but I'm still going to ask him the icebreaker questions because he doesn't get away that lightly. (laughs) So we've got icebreaker questions just to try and find out a little bit about the real Alastair. Are you ready? Yeah, I, I'd forgotten about this bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't get you don't get to prepare anything. For no, this exactly. Bit. Right. Okay. On a scale of one to ten, how good a driver are you? Oh, see, this is something that men always overestimate, isn't it? <laughs> um, yes. I, 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 I'm all right. I'd, oh God, I'm going to say seven. How boring! How boring! The, the standard answer. It's very average answer yeah. there. I would have expected higher, actually, being a camper van owner. I was thinking you were going to go. Oh, I'm ten. I'm in my van all the time. I'm proficient. I would have been, but for the fact the last time I drove it, I crashed. (laughs) (laughs) If you could travel back in time, what period would you go to? Ooh. Oh, I'd 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 like to go all the way back. I'd can, if if I could choose a place as well, I'd like to go back to um I'd like to be a patrician in ancient Rome. Um I think that sounds like the life to me. Oh yeah. Uh, A bit of business in the morning and then bath in the afternoon being fed some grapes what, what do you want sounds delightful doesn't yeah. it uh, yeah i i definitely need to rethink mine because i was thinking oh i'd go back to jurassic and see the dinosaurs but then risk of being eaten or you know a lovely bath in the afternoon i've got this all wrong haven't i yeah. i think with, <laughs> i think with my stomach and um I, I, I think i think it would have been good eating back then yeah good answer um tell me something that you're not very good at oh decorating I get very bored very quickly and very sloppy I'm yeah bad at that okay your house looks quite nice behind you though so this is obviously a room that you've taken some care over no 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 I paid somebody else to do it (laughs) thank you for indulging me in my in my silly icebreaker questions so tell me a little bit about your background and how you came to be at National Parks uh, okay, well, I, I started off in, I'm not from this world. I'm not from um, uh, tourism or nature conservancy or anything like that. I started off my career in communications. So I did the tour of all the agencies. So I worked for a PR agency, an advertising agency, internal comms, branding, done all that. And then latterly, I ran my own business for 15 years as a consultant, kind of a troubleshooter. So I go and solve business problems using communications. And that was great. Um, but as a gun for hire, you kind of haven't got much choice about who you're working for. And I, I started thinking, well, what do I want to do with all of this experience and stuff? And I thought about the projects I liked best, the ones I enjoyed working on. I used to work public and private sector, so all sorts of different organisations. And 
the projects I really liked, I did, I did some projects with the NHS with nurses and that's really good, helping them think about how they care for patients better and putting the power in their hands about how they sort of design patient care and, and looked after safety. And then I did another project for Network Rail where I was helping them think about how they reduced suicide on the rail network. And they're the projects that stuck with me. And I thought, well, what, what is it that's in common? And it, they were projects with a social purpose. So I started looking around for a home. I'd always sort of been sort of freewheeling. Um, and I thought, well, I'd, I want a cause that I want to put my shoulder to. And I thought it's either going to be environmental, because I see the environmental challenge as being the challenge of our age. You know, it is the main challenge to the human race at the moment. Or something to do with mental health. And came across this this role at um, National Parks and it just ticked all the boxes. Um, and it, 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 it took me back. It made me nostalgic as well because I spent a lot of my childhood in the Lake District. My dad would drag us up mountains and some really fond and intense memories. So it felt like the universe was giving me a message. <laughs> oh, that's lovely. Uh, I totally hear you on the, on the Lake District as well. It does... It's one of those really special places that just evokes the most incredible memories, isn't it? It is, yeah. it is a really beautiful, beautiful place. Well, my wife says that, you know, she, she, she wasn't around from my childhood, but she said, even for her, my childhood, she thinks of me in the Lake District because we've got all of the, the, the family albums whenever we go back. When there's stories that me and my sisters tell about childhood, it, it, it often goes back to that. Um, but I, you know, I, one thinks of, you know, you think of the, the national parks and people tend to think about the Lake District, the Peak District, you know, the more obvious ones. But I started thinking about how different parts of my life had been crisscrossed by different national parks. And, you know, I started going down the list and I thought, well, I've, I've enjoyed most of them. Sometimes without even knowing I was in a national park, that kind of brings us around to what this role is which is national parks are wonderful organizations, but they, they're a, they call themselves a family of 15. And they're all sort of autonomous individual organizations. But this role is about kind of putting a wrapper on that and helping people understand the value that they deliver for the country, uh, for the UK. Um, and, you know, it's an untold story. Um, and I think uh, it's important that people do understand the value that they deliver because, you know, everybody pays for absolutely and that actually brings me on to what I want to talk about for today so I want to go back a little bit to March which seems like a really long time ago with everything that's happened but let's go down let's go back to March and to kind of just before just pre-lockdown just before lockdown the public's reaction to being outside was was really pretty intense and there was lots of press about people flooding to national parks like days before lockdown a huge huge amount of people an influx of people and I think um you can kind of people often say all press is good press but it was you know attention was really on the parks at that point wasn't it I guess it's been difficult since then because I'd like to kind of ask you how you've approached marketing the parks during the lockdown and communicating with your audience but also asking them to to stay away which is not what we're usually telling people about parks we you know you're normally trying to encourage them so how how did you feel about that and how have you how have you been able to approach it going back to basics it's good it's made it's 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 made 
me examine what the fundamentals of the role are. And I kind of balk at the, the idea of marketing the box. It's about communication rather than marketing, I think. The, 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 the staying away, it, it, so, so it's, it's, it's a, parks are about, they've, they've got this dual purpose. They've got statutory purposes and they, they balance looking after these special environments whilst also allowing people to have access to them and benefit from them. And so the communication during lockdown was about how people can still access nature connectedness. So when lockdown was hard, when people had to stay in the house, basically, or, or you know, could only go outside for a very limited period of time and not travel to parks, the communication was about how you could still have nature connectedness because it, 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 it's like a, a silver bullet for modern life. Um, it helps with physical and mental well-being. Um, it helps de-stress, and it's it, you know it's what everybody could benefit from whilst going through this really strange and scary time. So it was about helping people do that. And then as lockdown is eased, it's about how people can access nature in general and the park specifically in a safe way. And so putting the power in people's hands to understand how they can access in a way that helps them keep themselves safe, but also respects the need for um, fellow visitors, but also UK parks are, 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 are kind of unique in the world and that people live there. They're, they're, they're the shop floor and the homes of, of, of lots of people. So um, how people visiting parks can do so in a way that allows the people who live there to feel safe as well. Mm. So it's about, yeah, it's about how to still get the most from parks, but do so in a way that's considerate about your own safety and the feelings of safety of other people. And we we spoke quite a lot during that period around um, what you could do. I mean, you could, you know, a lot of people, we, you, you couldn't travel, so you couldn't go to parks. You couldn't really go much further than, you know, you're, you're on your doorstep, really. What you know, we we talked quite a lot about what you could do, even if you if you were lucky enough to have a garden and outside space. You know, just being more outside and being more connected to nature in that sense, that's a good thing. You know, that's one tiny step forward that you could take. That was something that has really stuck with me, and I think that's something that's really stuck with the team as well throughout lockdown. Is is that feeling of being more connected to nature, being more connected to to the outside because. Mm. we were allowed that hour to go out and so that hour became very precious Um, and it was either in your garden or it was discovering a new walk or discovering something a new place that you hadn't been in your local area it definitely helped with our mindset and our mental health throughout that period yeah I think um this 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 being more outside is is it's sucking the marrow out of the experience it's it's really getting the most from it I think about my mom, who is, you know, recently widowed and then lockdown came. And obviously I was really concerned about me and my sisters are really concerned about her feeling lonely and, 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 and cooped up. But talking about her, about she, she is lucky enough to have a garden. And she, you know, that was her solace to walk around the garden and, and to notice things. Um, and that's, that, that's how you build that connection with nature. It's not necessarily about, how long you're out there or even where you are it's 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 the level of connectedness it's 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 paying attention and noticing so you know you might go out and run for an hour and a half 
But if, you know, if you've got your headphones in and um, all you're doing is looking at your, your Garmin watch and, and keeping your pace, you, you're kind of not really connecting with the environment that you're running through. Whereas 10 minutes going outside and sniffing the air, um, watching the birds, you, you, and picking up a bit of paper or something, you know, caring for nature, you, you become more connected. And there's, lo there's loads of emerging science now about the, the benefit of that connection, so physical and mental. Yeah, it's hugely important. It's funny, actually, that's something I was thinking about this morning is that whenever, so I have a couple of dogs um, and we walk them in the mornings, we walk them in the afternoon and I'm a really, like, litter really bothers me, like really, really bothers me. And actually throughout lockdown, I've been, I've actually been quite hesitant to pick the litter up because of the risk of, you know, that it's, and it sounds really yeah. stupid, but the risk of you don't know who has had that before you. And I said to Lee this morning, I need to get gloves so that I can carry on doing that because it's really annoying me that I have stopped doing something that is really, it, it angers me that I see the litter in the park. So there's no reason for it. So you've reminded me I need to get my gloves, my gloves out so I can go back to doing the things that I would normally, I'd normally do. That, 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 but those habits that you can, you know, those little aid memoirs to, to, to remind you, you know, that's the sort of thing I do. It's good to have those. I, I, I think about, you know, because I, I pick stuff, I pick up litter when I'm out, but it's, I, if I remember to take a bag to put it in, it's better because it's, it's horrible walking around yeah. with a, 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 a plastic bottle full of soil in your hand. It kind of detracts from the wall. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's, it's it, but yeah, I think those new habits, I think we're in a, we're in a place now where we've broken old habits or we've, you know, we've been forced to break old habits and we're going to learn some new ones. And I think coming out of this, if we're talking about recovery, it's about helping people be conscious about the new habits that they've picked up and perhaps decide that they're ones that they want to keep. Mm. Um, so that when the opportunity to go back to how you were before is there, you don't kind of lose any of the good stuff that you've discovered during lockdown because you know it it it's I've, I've not enjoyed lockdown it's been pretty difficult to bear but you know the, 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 there is stuff that I've done in it that I think well I should carry that forward yeah definitely that's something that yeah that's something that we need to be mindful of encouraging now that people yeah. are starting to go back to work and starting to go back so let's talk about lockdown easing because we actually saw a really similar reaction as soon as lockdown was eased people again came out in masses because they wanted to be outside who can blame people but there was uh you know people were flocking to outside spaces and quite over overwhelmingly there's a huge demand for outdoor attractions like zoos and wildlife parks when they were able to open i wondered um because you mentioned something earlier, actually, that was interesting about sometimes you'd be, you wouldn't, you wouldn't realise that you were in a national park. And some yeah. of that is related to the fact that they are free. And so yeah. there is no, you don't have to book a ticket, you don't have to pay to go into the parks. And so the kind of boundaries blur a little bit between in them and outside of them. So I kind of wondered how that, how is that going to be managed by the parks? But you know the fact that they're free to attend and you don't need people to book. How do you manage that demand when there isn't that requirement to book in advance to visit them? Well, you you can't manage the demand, so we we can't. There there is no there's like you say there's no gate there's no entrance fee. If people feel the need or the want to step over the boundary into a park, they they can. 
So I think it's about talking to people as adults, having an adult, adult communication, not wag a finger, not be sort of, not adult to child. And so you must do this and you mustn't do that. But just say, well, please be aware of what the situation is on the ground. And I think, you know, mostly people are and people take responsibility for themselves. They kind of know that, um, but, but you have to help them. You might want to go back to a park that you've been to that you've that you've missed and and do what you used to do that might be rock climbing or, or mountain biking whatever but um you kind of might not have appreciated what was there and supporting you to have that experience that might not be there going back now so if all of the pubs are shut you might think oh well i can't have a beer after me walk or after me ride um but that also means that there are fewer toilets um, and even if so, so, so you're more reliant on sort of public toilets or pay toilets and there might be fewer of those because there's issues around um, being able to clean them and provide them safely so where and and parks don't necessarily own all of that infrastructure they might be owned by partners or landowners of a local council so it's about giving people the information and helping them think it through so we try to give people a four-step process to think through and kind of just cast their mind forward about what it might be like. Because whereas previously, you, you, especially if you, you're used to going to parks, you kind of, you plan for what it used to be like before March. So it's just helping people think it through and do the right thing. Do the right thing. I like that. So do you think that the focus on outside being safer is going to encourage new visitors to the parks or maybe increase engagement from different audiences that that haven't experienced the parks before? Uh, yes and yes and yes. So I think um, I, I think what it's done for me is it's opened my eyes to some of the visitors who were accessing parks already who perhaps I hadn't seen because I was trying to get my head around this obvious new behaviour of kind of massive demand but actually it's, it's helped me see some people and how they access it so some of the younger generation are accessing parks now that perhaps I'd kind of assumed they weren't there and it, it's great some of the stuff they're writing on on Instagram is it, it's so wholesome if we wrote it in our marketing or, or communications sort of stuff it would, it would come across as really cheesy but it's lovely to see and I hadn't seen these notes before and I think how they use um, Insta is, is, you know, it's, it's, it's about helping show their lifestyle, helping show what they enjoy and bringing, you know, these brilliant landscapes into their lifestyle is, is almost a, a background and, and talking about what it means to them in, in lockdown to be able to access this and what it means to their mental health and, and the experiences they're having. It's, it, it's really great to see. I think also there's been people going out and walking with their family during lockdown is you know especially when we had the kind of the you could leave the house once and I think people have enjoyed that and I think I that when I talked about the habits that I want people to look back on say oh you know I, I quite enjoy going for a walk with my family you know we weren't we communicate you communicate in a different way when you're walking you don't have to maintain eye contact you've got that shared experience of of, of being out and I think people some people will have done some stuff that they enjoyed and they're quite surprised that they enjoyed it. So I quite like to help them 
take that to the next level and, and explore what it was that they enjoyed about that and, and do it a bit more. And that's the great thing about parks is they're great places to push yourself a bit further because they are safe. You've got that environment of care. They're, they're designed to allow people to access it the way that they want to access it. So you've got your own sort of comfort level with risk or adventure and getting out there. And the parks cater to all of those different levels. And people, I don't think, necessarily know that. So I want to be able to speak to these people who have been doing things that they hadn't done in the past and say, hey, if you want to do a bit more of that, these are great places to do a bit more of that and to do that next step. Yeah, I love that. I love what you said about... um because we've noticed that a lot more families out walking together especially during lockdown when we had that hour um one of our dogs is slightly reactive so we were like oh gosh there's so there's so many more people around that we've got to avoid but it was a really nice thing to see you know it wasn't just the same faces that you were seeing constantly and what's really nice about walking is it seems to be something that it seems to be a really good thing to do when you've got decisions to make so lee and i will always if we've got a big decision to make or something that we need to talk about, we'll go for a really long walk with the dogs. And there's something about walking next to each other and being outside in the open that makes you just communicate a little bit more. How can I put it? There's just like a calmer level to to what you're Mm. thinking through and what you're talking about. And the environment definitely plays such a huge part in that. I think it's a thing. I, I I used to say at one of my old bosses, I used to say, I say, can we go for a walk? Just, just, just a warning. I've probably got something important to tell you, <laughs> but it's, it, it, there is something about either the the pace of it, or the fact that you're in a different environment, or the, you know the fact that you don't have to maintain eye contact, or it does something to the communication that, that changes it. Um, I, I think you're right, and so I think it's it's been great to see, like I say, families going out doing it, people who might not have worked together, and then I think you've got to make it. A, conscious thing you've got to notice that for yourself and perhaps talk about that to the people that you've been going for a walk with and say hey we seem to like that we should do that a bit more often and just just saying it will will make it more likely you know um i i I, it's something i do it's a habit i've i I kind of cultivated but if you don't make a conscious effort it 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 kind of goes away it's a bit like exercise But it's getting that balance of remembering it's something you you want to do it because you enjoy it. Mm. And make a commitment to it then. If it is something that you've enjoyed, you make that commitment to do it more often. Okay, so a couple of big questions to kind of end the interview on. But I'd like to know what's next, what the next few months looks like for you and for the organisation. But also, what do you think the future of tourist attractions in the UK are? It's a big question. (laughs) (laughs) And I guess most of us are... Who knows right now, yeah. but it'd be really interesting to get your thoughts on what you see for the next few months. Start with parks. I, I think we're in this sort of fuzzy phase at the moment between lockdown and normality, whatever normality might end up being, that kind of stable state, probably felt on some sort of um, vaccinations being identified. And I think for parks, it's about helping people do that thinking through, do the right thing, access safely, the communication to help them do that. And like I say, about helping people identify and and explore new habits within the boundaries of what is safe and acceptable and everybody can manage. I think for tourist attraction, I think in the UK, I think it's it's obviously massively challenging for for people on the short term in terms of, you know, the, the 
business models having to recover from you know this last four months. But I think that there seems to be an, op- an opportunity there. I think people will rethink how they use their time. I think people will be more inclined to think about using their spare time, using their holiday time close to home in the near future, either because of the uncertainty of travel or the lack of availability of it. So there's, there's, there's that opportunity of like, well, hey, discover this. You might find there's something close to home that you really like. And I think it's helping people take those opportunities to do something new that's perhaps closer to home. Yeah, I think there'll be a huge boost. Well, I would hope that there'd be a huge boost in staycations this year yeah. because of the uncertainty, which obviously will help the tourism trade. Okay, we end the podcast by asking you about a book that you could recommend that's helped shape your career in some way? Yeah, I've got a book called The Living Company. Oh. It's by a guy called Ari Goose, And Ari used to work for Shell in their planning department. So he was part of the team with Pierre Wack that invented scenario planning. So he, he comes from a pretty hard-nosed environment. And, you know, Shell is, is, is not necessarily associated with kind of tree-huggy, soft-type um, type things. The Living Company is interesting. It's, it's, it's a simple question that Ari asked. He, he says, what if you think of organisations and, and businesses as living entities? And you can think of it as a metaphor, but he almost takes it literally. He says that the organisations do share lots of attributes with what you would think of as something being alive. And... Why I like it is it, it, it takes it away from the imperative of being the bottom line. He says, if, 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 you, if you think about an organisation as a living entity and you nurture it from that perspective, then it's going to be healthy, it's going to be more long-lived, and almost as a byproduct, it'll create value. So it's not been driven by the bottom line. And it's, I, I guess it's one of the starts of that, that kind of purpose-driven thinking that is, 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 is now got a lot more sort of common currency. This book was written in 97, I think. So it's, it's been around for a while. It's a really interesting read. He, he writes beautifully. It's not very thick. You can, <laughs> it's easy to read. Um, not very thick, it, okay. It's not very, it's not very thick and, and, and it's, it's in quite a big font. Um, so um, you, can, you can rattle through it. It's, it's really well written. And it's very thought-provoking. And it changed how I think about organisations. Oh, I love it that. It you to lots of things. Um, uh, complexity theory, the fallacy of planning. It's good stuff. What a brilliant awesome. testimonial for a book. Thank you for sharing that with us. I've never, I've never read it. I've never heard of that bit. But it definitely sounds like something I would love to pick up. If you would like to win a copy of Alastair's book, then for as ever, if you head over to our Twitter account, skip the queue and retweet this episode announcement with the comment, I want Ali's book, then you can be in with a chance of winning it. Alastair, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It's been brilliant to talk to you. Lovely to chat to you as ever, Kelly. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Skip the Queue. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a five-star review. It really helps others find us. And remember to follow us on Twitter for your chance to win the books that have been mentioned. Skip the Queue is brought to you by Rubber Cheese, a digital agency that builds remarkable systems and websites for attractions that helps them increase their visitor numbers. 
You can find show notes and transcriptions from this episode and more over on our website, rubbercheese.com forward slash podcast.